0: Politics and publishing are inseparable, of course. Free speech and unfettered expression invariably find readers who take offense or otherwise object to controversial content. Battles can ensue, and bestsellers will often result. Welcome to Copyright Clarence and his podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. American exceptionalism was a winning theme for the Trump campaign in 2016. And for our Friday review of the week's Book World News, Publishers Weekly senior writer Andrew Albanese offers a peek at a number of books arriving next spring that will either tout that exceptionalism or take exception to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Good day to you, sir. And we've got just two issues left in the PW calendar for 2016, and they are both big ones, important ones for our readers and listeners. Uh, This week, it's a spring announcements issue. Tell us what we can look forward to from publishers coming in the first part of 2017.
1: That's right. Monday's issue is our annual spring announcements issue, uh, in which PW editors run down some of the big titles that will be coming down in the first part of 2017. Uh, As PW readers surely know by now, we do two of these issues each year for fall and spring, which are basically the industry's two selling seasons. Uh, So just to recap, our editors basically list 50 to 60 of the top titles in 20 categories of books drawn from thousands of books submitted, both fiction, nonfiction, and a number of other genres. And in addition, uh, we choose our top 10 books in each of these 20 categories, which are based on books that are really likely to get a lot of interest, and that we really want to call out for booksellers and librarians.
0: Well, certainly, Andrew, uh, this season and the coming season, the interest is going to be uh, looking towards Washington. And I know you curate a category of particular interest uh, for book readers, politics and current events. And so I'm going to guess there are some noteworthy titles coming.
1: The serene, uneventful world of American politics. (laughs) Not. I have to say, this year was probably one of the toughest years that I've had pulling together uh, my list of politics and current event titles because, suffice it to say, the election of Donald Trump was not only a shock to the nation uh, in many respects, but it was a shock to publishers as well. And many are now pivoting and scrambling to try to get some books on Trump and America in the age of Trump onto their spring lists. And there are a few, definitely, that are being rushed out. Uh, Most notably, I would say that there's a book by Trump supporter and conservative radio host Michael Savage uh, that's set to come out uh, from Center Street, which is an imprint of Hachette. They're now set to do a book on Trump's challenge for keeping the promises that he made to conservative America uh, when he was elected. So I wish them luck with that one. Uh, and I'll spare you the full top 10 list in politics, uh, but I will direct you to the PW site where you can see the full list, and I'll call out a few titles here that I th- think will certainly be of interest. Tops on my list, I think, is a book from Atlantic Monthly. that's from uh, one of our greatest political satirists, P.J. O'Rourke, and the book is called How the Hell Did This Happen? Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you guess what that is about. Uh, but O'Rourke uh, proposes to take us from the primaries right through his what he calls his come-to-Satan moment, when he actually... Uh, endorsed a Democrat in the race this year, Hillary Clinton, for president. So, you know, when you see P.G.O. work tirade show up in Donald Trump's Twitter feed at 3 a.m. sometime this spring, uh, you'll know why. Broadside is publishing How Liberty Can Change the World by our libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson. Uh, Johnson proposes to tell us why he believes that libertarianism is swiftly becoming the center of American politics. And I'll note that as of now... This book is set for a June release. But I think this you know—you might expect this book to be moved up a little on the calendar because, you know, honestly, if, even if he's right about libertarianism and it's going to move more into the mainstream of American politics, I think that's a big F. But by June, I wonder if anyone is really going to care about what Gary Johnson has to say. Uh, I think they probably barely care now, but he is the leader of the libertarian movement or was the presidential candidate. So uh, we will see uh, if that book actually comes out in June or if it comes out a little earlier. Crown is publishing a book called Turning Point, Reclaiming an America We Can Believe In. And this is by a Fox News contributor, Katie McFarland. And if that name sounds familiar, it should because she's now been tapped to be a member of Trump's national security team. So I would expect this to be a fairly newsworthy book. I would also expect to see pieces of this start to leak out in the media soon for an April release. And again, uh, it's another book I would think that they'd probably try to want to get out sooner rather than later. And from Norton, uh, my actually my favorite book of the bunch, uh, which I just finished reading, Emmy award-winning news anchor and bestselling author Chris Hayes, uh, will publish a book called A Colony and a Nation, which he draws from uh, uh, Richard Nixon's 1968 convention speech. And it's a really compelling look at white fear and racial inequity in America. It takes a, a close look at our justice system here in America, and it's a powerful read and very timely. And I actually had a chance to... Uh, talk with chris hayes this week so we'll have more on that uh next week on our podcast
0: Uh, all right then so we'll move our gaze from washington dc to new york city uh where publishers weekly hosted a conference on children's publishing global kids connect and right on time we even had a little controversy as a satire of kids books was essentially abandoned after an outcry by book bloggers tell us about that
1: Yes, indeed. And this story broke uh, the PW internet, as we say, when we first reported it on Monday of this week. Uh, and it really shows no signs of slowing down just yet It's still garnering quite a bit of reaction on the site. So, you know, to back up for those who may have missed it, Abrams Image Imprint, which is a line of illustrated humor and reference books, titles for adults, I should, should mention here, published a book called Bad Little Children's Books. And it's this illustrated collection that features parodies of classic children's book covers based on a range of pretty controversial and pretty blatantly offensive themes, frankly. Uh, But last week, a book blogger and a former librarian called out the book in a blog post titled, It's Not Funny, It's Racist. Uh, Social media picked up on her post, and criticism of the book and of Abrams grew substantially on Twitter. And ultimately, this week, we learned that Abrams, at the request of the author, uses a pseudonym, uh, the pseudonym is Arthur Gackley, announced they were not going to go back to press for the book. But of course, as is usually the case, no one is really satisfied by this result. You know, Defenders of free speech, including the National Coalition Against Censorship, issued a statement in support of the book and urged Abrams not only to stand up to pressure to withdraw the book, but to, and I'll quote them here, to stand for the proposition that it is the right of authors to write as they choose and of individuals to decide for themselves what to read. And, of course, for many of those who found the book offensive, uh, just letting it go out of print, as Abrams has proposed to do, isn't enough. Many want apologies. They want heads to roll. They want to continue to heap shame uh, on the editors at Abrams. And, you know, my colleague Calvin Reed followed the story here at P.W., uh, and he had this frank observation. Arthur Gackley, or whatever his actual name is, he presented a series of really blatantly offensive, um, tweaked children's book covers that it would be hard for anyone really to support. First of all, they aren't that funny, though they're actually quite beautifully illustrated. It certainly isn't censorship to say that something is crap. It might be censorship to say something is crap and needs uh, to be eliminated. And it's a tough one. You know, I'm very sympathetic to the need not only to be mindful of censorship, but also of self-censorship. I think it's vital to a free society that authors be able to express themselves freely. At the same time, sometimes people just miss. Sometimes they just get things wrong. Uh, And that kind of seems to be what happened here. Uh, You know, in a statement, the author acknowledged as much. Uh, The author actually asked Abrams not to go back to book, and in a statement, not to to go back to press, excuse me, and in a statement, uh, the author acknowledged that the book is clearly not being read by some in the way that the author had intended as satire, uh, and more disturbingly, it's being misread uh, as the very act of hate, and I'll quote here, and bigotry that the work was meant to expose, not promote. So for this reason, Gackley, or whoever his name is, has asked Abrams to cease publishing the book. In their statement, Abrams said they were also disheartened by calls to stifle the author's artistic vision, but they also acknowledged that there was a sort of misperceived message of the book. And I have to say personally, I see both sides here, and I see the complicated issues. And I don't profess to have the answer uh, to this or any of these often thorny free speech issues. I think the best that we can do, in my own humble opinion, is exactly what we are doing, which is talking and arguing and criticizing, having a really robust uh, debate about what to do here. To me, that's the very essence of free speech. It's a two-way street. Uh, And the important thing to take away here, at least for me, is that people have the right to publish what they want, and people have the right to shout it down if they want.
0: Indeed. you know, uh, My rule on that is you can never have too much free speech. Always appreciate uh, not only the news, but the analysis from Andrew Albany's senior writer at Publishers Weekly. Thanks again for joining us on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Beyond the Book, the best way to appreciate your job is to imagine yourself without one. The best way to keep your job in publishing is to open your mind to new ideas, says Ted Hill, chair of the Digital Book World Conference, coming to Manhattan's Hilton Midtown Hotel in January. In a preview of the DBW agenda, Ted Hill explains the psychology behind an aversion to change, even when we recognize that change is necessary.
1: In our careers, it takes the form of of really resisting anything that tells us that the skills that made us successful today are perhaps going to be worth less in the future most of us think of our careers as building and uh, and that what we have makes us more valuable and we're going to get better raises and promotions and so forth. But, you know, the fact is that that's not always true, especially at a time of technological change. And so we resist deeply this idea that um, perhaps we need to do things better or, or somebody else is going to, to have the skills we want.
0: A Digital Book World Conference preview coming next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries Rights Direct in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book.